Hey everyone, it's Harmon. How are you? You've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101. What do we do with you in comedy? Well, we school you. That's right. Anywho, this is part two of our podcast on the history of National Lampoon Radio Hour. Last week, go back and listen to it. It was part one. Go, go right now. Go listen to it. Um, And this is part two, where we dive further into the history of National Lampoon Radio Hour. The radio show that led to the origins of the first season of Saturday Night Live. So, without further ado... You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Which oh, this now, goes on, we had previously it? previously placed some. My partner and I attempted to apprehend the alleged perpetrator. Do I have to say it like that? Can I? I could say it. If... Sorry, Charlie. You are just not police officer material. Next. Ah, yes. That went on a bit. Uh, What we heard there was an excerpt from the National Lampoon Radio Hour, which featured some of the top comedy talent that went on to appear on SNL, such as John Belushi, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase. And yes, you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am Harmon Leon. With me, of course, Scott Colanogo. Scott, how are you? I am fine, Harmon. Ooh, he sounded kind of spooky there. So, yes, you've tuned into you've tuned into part two of our episode on the history of the National Lampoon Radio Hour. Um, last episode, we, we, we dove into kind of the catalyst of what led up to the National Lampoon Radio Hour uh, playing on the radio, uh, which was, you know, the stage show Lemmings, National Lamp- the origin of National Lampoon magazine, um, such movies as Groove Tube and Tunnel Vision, which brings us up to present speed here on, once again, Comedy History 101. Well, let's get back. Let's let's get let's get back to the the radio hour, and let's let's talk about it a little bit. We can, let's discuss some of our favorite sketches. Um, I guess one thing that we'll top we want to touch on is that it's interesting is that it started out as an hour, mm-hmm. hence on, the name National. On, <laughs> yeah, Lampoon Radio Hour. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes well, sense. But then after <laughs> after about uh, after about twenty or twenty five shows, they they ch- changed it to a half hour, but they kept the title the same. Yeah, and it originally broadcast on, uh, and this is pretty impressive, on 600 different radio stations around the uh, country. All right, now, when I say go, the National Lampoon Radio Hour begins on XM Comedy 150. All right, ready, go. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. But I think they had, they had problems finding enough sponsors because the, the humor was a little, as they say, Edgy. The edgy humor. And it made perfect sense that they pretty much scooped all the performers from uh, Second City. Because if you listen to the National Lampoon Radio Hour, which after 13 weeks got cut down to a half hour, um, it's very Second City-ish in in sort of its structure. A lot of uh, musical numbers as you would do like at Second City. (laughs) 
But also what they learn uh, from the Second City performance, because most of them were also writers on the show, is just that that ability to, you know, write and turn over a lot of sketches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So besides, oh, here's something really interesting. Besides Michael O'Donohue uh, uh, creating the show, uh, it was also created by a guy named Bob Tischler. I could be pronouncing that correctly, or I could be pronouncing that incorrectly, who also, besides being a head writer for SNL, like I, on the first four seasons, he produced uh, the friend of Belushi and produced the Blues Brother albums. Oh, all right. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the early producers. Um, and uh, when O'Donohue left to go to SNL, um, the other producers were Sean Kelly, uh, who is one of the editors of National Lampoon? Brian Mc, I don't know McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah. yeah. Do you know anything about him? Not really. No. And of course, one man who you might know, who was one of the producers, uh, John Belushi. Yep. Yeah. So, like I said, a lot of performers came from uh, Second City because they knew the concept of writing sketches. Uh, Richard Belzer, very instrumental in in which he did. I mean, I wouldn't think of Richard Belzer when I think of National Lampoon. No, I wouldn't. Not at all. I just think of Law and Order. Yeah, but what he said, what he said, a quote, uh, what he said, because he was both a performer and a writer on the radio show, he said, we were smart asses, but we didn't realize that we were going to affect the culture the way we did. How, how do no, they affect it? <laughs> well, Richard... No, I think it was all right. I, uh, so I think yeah. we could we could we could dig into some of our favorite bits first. Just what's what's a general overall take? Because uh, today I sort of binge listened to a few episodes, and yeah. I, I've listened to some in the past, and also uh, a lot of the National Lampoon radio show later got filtered into like the National Lampoon albums, such as um, right. the album uh, The Missing Watergate Tapes. National Lampoon, Gold Turkey, uh, National Lampoon, That's Not Funny, That's Sick, and The Greatest Hits of National Lampoon uh, between the years of 1974 and 1978. Um, So, you know, I've heard heard those albums. I think That's Not Funny, That's Sick, you know, which features, like, some of the sketches with Bill Murray and and all that is, like, uh, that one's, I think, the funniest of them all. Well, I never really listened to him. I kind of listened to a bunch of the stuff today, mm-hmm. uh, out, you know, and it was just, you know, my because I didn't really grow up, grow up with them, you know. I, I knew of them, but I didn't grow up listening to them or anything. So, um, I mean, my first impression is that is that thing where you're you're trying to listen to comedy from <laughs> something years ago, <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's you know, the production's great. You know, it sounds good, and now it's just, obviously what they're doing now is kind of coming back with podcasting and and and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing that really kind of jumped out at me. Um, a bunch of the different sketches. I would. Here's how I describe it: uh, very date doesn't date well. <laughs> so, a lot, somebody a lot of did. a lot of we need to impeach Richard Nixon jokes, and then yes. a lot of musical parodies of musicians who you don't have any idea who they are. And now, Mrs. Agnew's diary, brought to you by the makers of whitewash. 
Yesterday, John Dean informed Mrs. Agnew that there was a cancer on the presidency. Heartbroken and confused, Judy decided not to tell her husband, hoping against hope that the president could raise the $1 million needed for a cure. Speaking, why are you home so early today? Judy, I have something to tell you. Speaking, what is it? My vibrant vipertude has become vitiated. So, and again, this is something we've talked about of, of uh, in past episodes, uh, just in general of, of longevity of comedy is like um, always like foot check your, your pop culture references because, uh, you know, in five years, you know, people might not even know who, if that's the butt of your joke, might not even I th- get I th- it. Yeah, I think this would be an example, uh, excellent one to... Um to start out with is the the first one of the, sh- the one of the first skits songs that they did was Deteriorata, mm-hmm. which is it, which was like that kind of like the lamentation song and let's like, say don't do that and it's actually it's kind of uh, you can listen to it later. Just okay, drop it all in right. Yeah. Um, and so that it, it's. It's kind of funny, but then you don't realize it's actually a takeoff of this like kind of sappy poem that was really big in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So that's like all kind of lost, unless you, you know, know what they're talking about. Yeah, another another takeaway I took of is like um, we all love Monty Python, but then there was these shows that like say you know John Cleese and. Graham Chapman would be on or like Terry Jones and Eric Idle and Michael Palin would be on right before Monty Python. That is, uh-huh. you know, they're kind of okay. And there's moments of where you would go, okay, I could see that almost being on Monty Python, but it's not quite there. I think that was just my whole take of this was like, there's sort of funny moments where you go, okay, that seems almost like early SNL or early SCTV, but not quite. And again, it's kind of like watching a uh, NBA player uh, in his prime, but you know, going back and seeing them when they were coming up in like the minor leagues or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a pretty good segue while you bring up Monty Python. We got a couple things here. I mean, number one, which I didn't know this until we started looking into it, I knew that Tony Hendra, who was one of the, 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 the show leaders who was, who, was, who was directing the show, um, and also people know him from Spinal Tap as mm-hmm. the angry manager. I mean, he was also one of the longtime writers, and- oh, writers on that way. I'm not National Lampoon, and also yep. that, that 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 Harmon's been on his podcast twice, <laughs> and, uh, twice, twice. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I knew he, I knew he'd been. He went to the Cambridge and he studied it, at, at, and he played in the Cambridge Footlights. And I didn't realize that he actually had been uh, in a uh, a two man show, a two man like uh, sketch act with Graham Chapman from Monty Python. Really. Yeah, I didn't know it, but so they, I, no, I knew he was with, uh, a comedy team yeah. that was like on the Merv Griffin show, but I didn't realize yeah, uh, so, he was in with Graham Chapman. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so maybe that, that was just back in back in um, in uh, in the UK. And then uh, what's interesting is that so in the Cheech and Chong kind of parody they do. Yeah, tell them about that. Of, I kind of like that bit. I like the structure they, of that bit. They feature a the a kind of comedy. A Monty Python esque comedy group in there, 
Uh, and somebody was pointing out that like, that's actually one of the first times that that there's an outside reference to Monty Python. Like, in oh, Python. really? Yeah. That's a great idea, man. We turn on the TV, man, yeah, and we just get... tape record the show. That's you why know? I got the tape recorder, man. Hey, man, <laughs> let's turn on the tube, okay? Okay, man. Here it comes. Oh, man, those guys are wearing dresses, man. I don't believe it. Oh, wow. Hey, man, turn it up a little, man. Turn it up. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn it up a little. Oh, come on, let's try something else, man. We're really cooking, man. Let's try another show. Wilbur, Wilbur. Will you show me how to curtsy again? That was a talking, man. I don't oh, believe it. Yeah, Ed, you just kind of lean forward and spread your dress like this and, and bend your knee. Well, I'm right. Yeah, this is, like, this is like from, this is like before they were even really big in the States. So if this is like from 73. It's like right when they were just starting to be played, you know, on PBS in the States. Yeah, and that bit, that Cheech and Chong bit is one of their better bits. Cause it, and it's kind of a good structure because it was about, uh, it was a Cheech and Chong parody and che- and they're kind of accusing Cheech and Chong of stealing material, and so yeah. how they have them Cheech and Chong sort of channel surfing, so it gives them yeah. opportunity to do these like SCTV sort of sound bites of various TV shows with mm-hmm. Cheech and Chong sort of being like Beavis and Butthead and commenting yeah, on it. Exactly. So that structure was good, and uh, so I think you know that was one where it was like okay, that's not dated that bad. Not not that bad. Um, one of the other interesting things that they would drop into the radio show is they would do these stereo tests, which mm-hmm. they later released on as an album, the uh, 1974, the official National Lampoon Stereo Tested Demonstration Record. Oh, which yeah. Is like, this is <laughs> for something for the kids out there, maybe for the hipsters who are back into vinyl. But they would actually release these stereo test records back in the 60s and the 50s so like hi-fi people could show off their stereos oh yeah you just like you'd play the record and it would just have like the sounds going back and forth between the two channels and stuff and so they did a whole album and they would do it on the radio show but it's basically (coughs) an excuse for them to do sketches with like dudes in one one speaker and ladies in the other oh that's kind of funny so they were utilizing the medium of the day yeah, there's a little bit of uh, there's a sketch, a couple sketches that Chevy Chase did in there. Yeah, and and they were also big on parroting Mister Rogers. He comes up a yeah, lot. There, that was huge. <laughs> that was a does. It does come up a lot, and that's Christopher yeah. Guess. That was like their go to, like um, parroting yeah, Mister Rogers. Yeah. And he he does do it pretty good. I just I just saw the documentary in the plane. Hi, we're gonna talk about some nice things today. Did you know that? Sure, some special things for you. Some special things for me, too. And we have a special guest here today. Can you say that, guest? Sure. I knew you could. We're going to talk today to a musician, the guy who plays the bass. You know what a bass is, don't you? Can you say that? Don't? Sure you can. Hello. How are you? You think you get somebody to give me a cup of coffee or something? You're not used to getting up early, huh? I'm not here yet. What time do you usually get up? I usually get up when the sun is warm, like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I like to get up around 6.30. That's insane. You're stupid. Huh? You should sleep late, man. It's just much easier on your constitution. We're going to talk about your bass and, and how big it is and things like that. It looks like a violin, but it's bigger, isn't it? It's a hell of a lot bigger. Can you say... Violin's a little wimpy thing. Can you say wimpy? 
Wimpy. That's right. Wimpy thing. I like the way you say that. Did you know that? I do now. Oh, it is a good documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was Christopher Guest doing Mr. Rogers? Yes. Yeah. And again, some of their bigger, what they were known for was they did a Hunter S. Thompson parody, uh, Dr. Thompson S. Hunter, Bonzo journalism, journalist, yeah, Bonzo. Um, which again, you know, it was like, all right, production quality was good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all, well, you know, it all parody sort good. of fear and loathing, you know? Yeah. yeah it, was, it was all right. Just kind of goes on for like 25 minutes, though. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was lying in bed in the Continental Hyatt House on Sunset Strip. I've been lying there like that for three days, creviced out after doing fear and loafing at the hotel fire in Cincinnati for Rolling Stone. It was a drag. The firemen were a drag, the victims were a drag. So I spent the whole time narcotized on Venezuelan orgone powder. Suddenly the phone rang. I kicked through the piles of empty beer cans and found the phone. And I knew that Jan Wiener was on the other end of that line, ready to hound me for the fire story, which was already two weeks past deadline. I think when, and then they had Moby the musical um, again, kind of all right. They used the full twenty five minutes, didn't they? <laughs> well, they would do they would do those theme shows. They would have yeah. like you know uh, there was the California California show and then the Canada show and tonight the National Lampoon Radio Hour will only be thirty minutes long in order that we may bring you in its entirety the Canadian show. The American dollar took another pounding on the international exchange today, and the pound took a franking, as the Deutschmark and the yen lorded it with familiar Axis-like arrogance over the Yankee buck that rebuilt their bombed-out bailiwicks from scratch. Well, this is one Canadian who thinks it's time to speak up for the American dollar or else unpeg our currency from theirs, which, given the high possibility of an invasion, seems unwise. Yeah, yeah, so that was probably one of the better ones, the Canada show, which is just a lot of... Canadian jokes and making fun of Neil Young, yeah, and they exactly. go, uh, "Here's the here's the biggest pop songs of Quebec." Here, by way of tribute, is a medley of Quebecois folk music. So that was good. Uh, any other sketches that, that stood out to you? Um, not really. I listened to a bunch. I listened to the dropping things off the building to the people. Thought it was okay. Um, probably the only one that made me kind of smile was a Mr. Rogers one, just because it was, you know, it was a pretty good impression. And it, was just, it is kind of funny. You forget about Mr. Rogers. Hi. We're going to talk about some interesting things today. Did you know that? Sure. Hi, because I'm your friend. Can you say that? Friend? Sure. We're going to talk about what to do when it rains outside. The rain goes pitter-patter, pitter-patter in your window. Or when it's snowing out and your feet are cold. Sure. You know, I'm your friend, and I hope that you're my friend too. Yeah, and so sadly, so uh, uh, what year did it? Fold again. Uh, yeah, now, so National Lampoon Radio Hours uh, ended in 1974. And I believe, um, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was like Tony Hendra said to Maddie Simmons, like, because John Belushi was a part of it. He's just like, you know, just keep Belushi on. Give him like a retainer of $500. And, and Maddie Simmons wouldn't do it. And, and 
1975, pretty much every single National Lampoon uh, Radio Hour performer and writer got scooped up by a little show known as what, Scott? Saturday Night Live from New York. They're not ready for primetime players. Yeah, so it's basically, you know, as we said before on Comedy History 101, basically the first season of Saturday Night Live was pretty much, you know, the National Lampoon radio National hour Lampoon on, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> on TV with uh, 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 um, Lauren Michaels as the producer. But, yeah. uh, and, and as evident as that, like Michael O'Donohue was hired to be the head writer for the first three seasons of SNL. Uh, and he actually recycled some of the radio show material, such as what if Ed Sullivan were tortured? You know, Ed Sullivan, we kid him a lot, but Ed Sullivan is one of the greats of this business. And in the cab on the way over to the, to the studio tonight, I had a funny thought. What if Ed Sullivan were tortured? And when I say tortured, what I mean is what if steel needles, say six inches long, were plunged into Ed's eyes? I, th- I think it would go something like this. So um, the takeaway is, what, what is the takeaway of other than the obvious of the National Lampoon uh, Radio Hour? Uh, it's hard to put together an hour of comedy every week. But they do that in SNL. Um, yes. <laughs> and it's an hour <laughs> and a half. They're paid more. They're yeah. paid more, though. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, that would be the takeaway. Oh, it's just now the takeaway would be is also it's it's interesting seeing the genesis. I'm I'm big into beginnings. It's all, all, always cool to see where people started out and how things started to gel for performers and artists. Yeah, I think that's really the takeaway. And again, going back to the correlation to those early shows that the Monty Python dudes were in before Monty Python, where you kind of see, you know elements of of you know what was soon to be you know their blossoming flower and uh and again i think this is the last in our kind of road to saturday night live uh kind of a podcast you know which started like with the groove tube at the channel one theater which turned into the movie um and tunnel vision and lemmings um, and National Lampoon Magazine, of course, you know, this was all the what led to Saturday Night Live first season. It, it didn't come out of nowhere. It was all these kind of the creme de la creme of comedy and writing performers that uh, kind of succeeded in all these other mediums. Yeah, you know, we should we should end with um, the, the, <coughs> the, the National Lampoon TV show, National Lampoon's Funny Money. Which was uh, oh god uh, June June to October of two thousand three with Jimmy Pardo as the host. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So then essentially, you know, they license the name National Lampoon, and we oh I guess we have one more National Lampoon episode left to do. We we got to do one 
on, on that era right before the guy went to prison that I worked for. Yeah, I think that would be the, the downfall. That would be a good way to end it, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, back in the, the Van Wilder spinoff days when they, <laughs> they would license the name onto everything. Just, you know, just Ta- The rise of Taj. Yeah. So I and another footnote is uh, Tony Hender. Like I said, he has a podcast that I've been on twice. It's called uh, the Final Edition. So um, you know, again, he does that with a friend of mine named Jeff Chrysler, and you know, they were trying to resurrect kind of the the, the National Lampoon Radio Hour format. Mm-hmm. So check well, that we'll, out, we'll, we'll or, or, or at least check out the two episodes I've been on. Yes. Exactly. In fact, just check out those two episodes. Just check out those two. <laughs> but you, you listen to the other ones to be nice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because uh, they're nice guys, and I support what they do. So with that, I think that covers it. I think it's time to plug away. Scott, what do you, you've been away for a while. You've seen the world. You've eaten burritos in Utah. What do you have to plug? One, one more in their life. Well, Harmon, thank you for that. Yeah, as I said, I premiered my newest short documentary, Everything You Want to Know About Sudden Birth, But We're Afraid to Ask, uh, at the Sundance Film Festival 2019 in Park City, Utah. Went over fantastic, so hopefully we'll be bringing it to the festival circuit for the next few months, so just stay tuned, and we'll keep you updated when that's coming out. Uh, and then, of course, as usual, join m- me and my guest, Harmon Leon, for our other podcast, Guess. Uh, this is the president. <laughs> co-host. What? My co-host. Okay. Well, yeah, well I mean, it's, always, it's always me. It's like, it's like me. You're like the co-host. You're the co-host. I'm just thinking about me. That's all I can think about. Still, I'm still jet lagged, dude. Oh, okay. So, yeah, for me, you can check me out on my other podcast where my guest will be Scott Kalonico on This is the President. No, just kidding. Yeah, fine. Um I'm fine. For me, you can always check out my uh, monthly show, Tale, at uh, the Red Room above the KGB bar. Our next show is on February 21st. Um, we have a guy who hosts a show on the Discovery Channel who's going to be on oh, the man. bill. So along with a bunch of other great performers and uh, just a pre-announcement in a few months, I have another new book out. Uh, it's going to be called, it, it is called uh, Tribe Spotting American Culture Stories. And on the back cover, we have a quote from uh, Anthony Hayden Guest, who we just talked about on the show. Okay, wow. Yeah. So um, with that, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.